You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown. Culture change agent on this show. We interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And I'm excited today to have somebody on the show. One fresh off a city council appointment, man. Fresh off an album that um I can't wait to dip, dig into. And I can't wait to just expound upon during this interview, man. And um, it's been a couple couple years in the making to really get you on here focused, man, mm-hmm. on, the, on the platform, man. So without further ado, Minority Troubles a Nation, I would like to welcome Mr. Pierce Freeline to the Minority Troubles a Podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no doubt, man. So I'm gonna let you do your own intro. Uh, and your own background and bio, and then we're going to jump right into it, man. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I'm not a big fan of bios, <laughs> so I'll just say that, um, you know, I'm a black man from mm-hmm. Durham, North Carolina. I'm a father and a husband. Uh, I'm into anime, video <laughs> games, comic books, and all things black sci-fi. So yeah. I was really grieving uh, when uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away, mm-hmm. Black Panther, um, you know, and grieving for black folks across the country who've been experiencing violence and, um, you know, and the, the consequences of, of poverty, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's from COVID-19, you know, disproportionately impacting black communities to, you know, violence in the community, especially during the summers, police surveillance, like, it's just hard out here for a lot of people. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm really into science fiction, because I think, um, you know, Afrofuturism gives us an opportunity to uh, to dream and envision what a different world could be like. Mm-hmm. So for me as a musician, I, I think about, um, you know, different possibilities through my music and I try to speak things into existence. You know, in politics, when I'm thinking about policy, uh, I keep an Afrofuturist lens because I know that the systems that we have in place currently aren't sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a parent, as a husband, just um, my whole vibration is oriented towards possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my bio. Mm-hmm. How did I do? No, nah, that was that was great, man. <laughs> and um, I, I always ask my the people that come on the show to share a, a quote or a mantra that they live by, and then share a story. Um, over the, over the last month, how they applied that quote of mantra to their everyday life. So take us well, away. The, the quote that comes to mind for me at present is uh, lift as you climb. Mm-hmm. That was something my grandmother used to always say, lift as you climb. And, uh, you know, for me as a, as a lyricist, um, that's a metaphor that I visualize in my mind literally. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, for everybody watching in the minority <laughs> trailblazer nation, <laughs> 
just imagine yourself on a ladder or trying to scale a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's enough effort just to try to pull yourself up. Yeah. So, you know, imagine, you know, the strength it would take to to take your free hand or your off hand and then you lifting somebody up like <laughs> while you're climbing. It's like, yo, how am I supposed to do that? That's uh-huh. That's a tall order, but that's exactly what our ancestors did. Yeah. You know, they 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 look out for the people that are uh, behind or beside them. And that's the only way we as as a people are, are going to be able to move forward mm-hmm. um, in this country where we have so much kind of stacked against us. So uh, let me think in the past month. How have I applied a lift as you climb? Oh, here's a good ex- example. Uh, so my brother, two brothers actually, Derek Rhodes and Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, they're both Duke graduates. Oh yeah, yeah. Derek was born and raised here in Durham. Mm-hmm. Nolan came to Durham uh, by way of Maryland mm-hmm. to play ball at Duke, won yep. a national champion here with uh, Coach K um, a couple years back. NBA player mm-hmm. as well, and now he's the head of Duke basketball's op- um, operations. So this, what is today? Today's a Monday, mm-hmm. Monday. So three days ago mm-hmm. on Friday, uh, we did a black men's summit. It mm-hmm. was like a zoom call yep. or maybe, I don't know, like 80 brothers, young mm-hmm. brothers on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we just built with them. We, we chopped it up. We talked politics. We talked, you know, sports and entertainment. We talked family and politics and, um, you know, I was tired because the previous day I had just done this um, city council interview. And, yeah. You know, hadn't been spending as much time with my family as I wanted and just felt kind of out of it. Um, but I know that it's important for young brothers to see me and mm-hmm. to see someone who looks like them uh, showing up for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I I made the time as as I will always make the time. Mm-hmm to be there and to chop it up with them for a couple hours. Um, and I think that, you know, that's just a small example. You asked for an example in the previous month. I could have given you some, yeah. some real dope examples, maybe, you know, over the past year or nah, so. Hey, go ahead, take us there. And then we're going to get, we're going to get to where we're going. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much about it. It's, it's not, uh, it's just a, a part of who I am and yeah. who I was raised to be. And I think that, um, you know, all of our all of our great leaders were, were people who understood and embodied lift as you climb. Mm-hmm. You know, people that I admire and look up to, whether it's uh, you know Muhammad Ali or Harriet Tubman. You know, mm-hmm. she she wasn't just trying <laughs> to get free herself. Yeah, she was lifting as she climbed. She said, "Let me run that back, yeah, get, and get y'all free uh-huh. with me." Uh huh. You know, and. Uh, Time and time again, you know, just looking back at history, um, you know, folks that we remember after they're gone are the folks who who embodied that um, as a part of their legacy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, in an effort to be aligned with my principles and to mm-hmm. build the legacy that I want um, and to build the community that I want and that we all deserve, um, you know, uh, I'm doing my best to lift as I climb. Mm. So let's talk real, real briefly. What are your principles? Because I think that's a that's a big question that um, I see, unfortunately, in the in the system and educational system in general. Um, that's not a question we ask a lot of our young men or young women. Mm. What are your principles? Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I should probably write them down. Um, every year I, I 
go through a process of, of setting intentions. Mm-hmm. And uh, those intentions come with me in my backpack. I put them on my wall in my office and they help me, they help guide my steps. Um, and so those intentions, um, yeah, are, are kind of, um, you know, they're underscored. The foundation of those intentions are always, you know, a few core principles. One of them is do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And for anybody out there, no it's, matter what you do, that's a real basic thing. It's hard. It's hard to do. You know, and you can't always do what you say you're going to do. Sometimes situations change, whatever, and you got to communicate that and, you know, and apologize, make amends. But that's a big one for me is uh, is being a man of my word. Mm-hmm. My word is my bond. I do what I say I'm going to do. If I ever if I ever find someone who who shares that principle, yeah. I grab them. I say, "Come on, you and me." <laughs> you know, and to me that that speaks to two principles. One is is integrity. Yeah. You know, your word being your bond is about your integrity, and then also accountability. Um, because if you are in a situation where you make a promise that you have to break for some reason, you know, there's a way to do that with integrity um, and accountability mm-hmm. to say, like, you know, I I didn't. I'm not in the same place I thought I was going to be. So yep. therefore, you know, here's the new reality. I apologize for the inconvenience that this has caused you. What can we do to make things right? Mm-hmm. You know, nobody who has an expectation of you will hear something like that and be like, you know, yeah, it's it's better because oftentimes people just drop the ball and they and don't, no call no show. They they don't do nothing about <laughs> it. So um, you know, those little things are really important to me. And I, I, I learned that from my dad. He he was very much a stickler of uh of um being accountable, being a man of your word, being honorable and and uh stand up mm-hmm. person. Um so those things are important to me. Um I think another one of my principles is uh black liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and again, the, the same two folks I just mentioned before, Muhammad Ali and, uh, Harriet Tubman, um, definitely folks, mm-hmm. you know, alongside you name them, Bob Marley and, you know, uh, countless others have been kind of dedicated to improving, enhancing, um, striving towards freedom mm-hmm. and, and full unapologetic, emancipation for all black people, mm-hmm. black queer people, black trans people, black men, black women, you know, black children, elders. Mm-hmm. Um, those uh, those freedoms in our lifetime are important to me. And so whenever I'm attempting to guide my steps and trying to root myself um, and ground myself in some principles, or if I have a choice in front of me, where I'm kind of like, should I do this or not? Like, you know, I'm looking at, I'm constantly thinking about black liberation as, as one of the, you know, stones in the scale, you know, as I'm, as I'm uh, trying to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are two, I could probably come up. Yeah. With some more. Nah, it's nah, start. that's a great start. And um, before we jump right in, I always ask, uh, just to kind of find the pulse of the week, because I, I, my first 30 interviews, I've been in some situations where I would jump off on boom, boom. And then you find out later in the interview, like somebody's father passed the last week and like, dang, like, and not being conscientious of things that's going on. So what is one word that you would, uh, use to describe last week and why? Hmm. 
Well, uh, the word I would use to describe last week is buck. Mm. Um, and the reason is because I've been thinking a lot about this. So, you know, last week, Jacob Blake was shot in the back. He's now paralyzed. There was then a subsequent protest where a 17-year-old vigilante murdered two black protesters. And, uh, you know, the basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are also from Wisconsin, where the murders took place in Kenosha, um, decided to boycott, you know, this playoff game. And uh, that team was called the Bucks. Um, and, uh, you know, Buck, a buck is a deer. Mm-hmm. That's what a buck is. Mm-hmm. It's a deer that people hunt uh, for sport. And uh, there, there are many layers and meanings and metaphors behind the word buck, mm-hmm. uh, including, you know, but not limited to deer, um, dollar bill. Mm-hmm. It's an onomatopoeia for a gunshot, buck, buck, mm-hmm. you know. It's uh, kind of like wilding out. They're going buck, mm-hmm. buck wild. Yeah. You know, and then um, perhaps the most significant, uh, I think two more actually, but perhaps the most significant is is a buck is what they used to call a male slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, a black buck, you know, was a, uh, was a, 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 a very a physically strong black man. And mm-hmm. when they did a slave auction and, and we're selling women, men, and children. They mm-hmm. say, we got a strong black buck, you know, right here. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, to buck also means to push away. Yeah. You know, to, to buck the system is to, is to kick. Yeah. Is to rebel. Yeah. Is to dodge. You buck them out your way. So, Anyway, that the the knuck if you buck, knuck if you buck, <laughs> like like literally, knuck yeah, if you buck. yeah, it's you know, still, still to this day the hardest song yeah. when it comes on in the club. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know the reason that I use that word to describe last week is because all of that was happening, <laughs> all of that was happening. You know, the Bucks were boycotting a black man getting bucked. They were sacrificing bucks, their dollars, by doing by making that bold stance and saying, we'll take a hit during the playoffs in our pockets mm-hmm. in order to stand up for what's right. You know, and then when you look at the NBA, you know, with very few exceptions, it's all white owners. Mm-hmm. It's mostly white coaches and executives and GMs and CEOs. And, uh, you know, it's built like a plantation because it's white at the top and all, you know, 80% of the players are black. Yeah. So, you know, in a plantation system where you can buy and trade individuals. It's just kind of, it's surreal when you really think about it. It's like looking, and they're looking at Zion Williams like, hmm, that's a nice black buck. They're licking their chops because they know they can make a lot of money out of that black body of his, you know? So, so that buck is there and, and so, and so when these black men say, nah, we're not playing, they're bucking the system, you know, they're sacrificing their money. Like, it's just, it's wild. So that, that's the word, you know, and, and, and they're doing it to protest black people getting filled with buckshot, mm-hmm. you know, and bullet holes. Like, so all of that was with me last week and, and uh, that's the word I would use to describe it. Mm. So let's now we're going to go into the interview. And I think uh, we want to talk specifically and we're going to layer this whole this whole interview 
um, around the dad album, right? Mm. Um, and I and I thought about it while you were talking in the three 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 quadrants: the cultivation, creation, and continuation, right? So the cultivation is the uh, the the ethos of the album and what's baked into it and the real meaning of what you're trying to get. Mm. The creation is the raw creation piece, creating with your daughter, creating with your family, and interwoven all that. Mm. And the continuation piece is um, the importance of the importance of activating the ethos behind it because there's a lot of times we can have these great conversations and um this is good information but the thing is how are we going to act on it? how are we going to be the men of our word how are we going to be people of our word how are we going to be a culture of our word right like now there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of rhetoric online about supporting support but are we going to honor that and how can we continue to honor that so let's talk let's let's, let's take a step back dad to our audience, man, what is the dad album? And then start the conversation, hopefully, with the relationship with your dad and how it kind of started to lay the foundation and then kind of take us through. I'll let you orient it. Because you're a storyteller at a master level. And um, celebrating his legacy as a dad. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and for the audience, can you, I know you're about to go, but just make sure, uh, kind of share who your father is and kind of the impact that he's done in society and, and you. Sure. Uh, my father's name is Phil Freelon. He passed away last summer in 2019 after a battle with ALS. Um, and he was an architect. He designed buildings and, uh, some, the build, some of the buildings he designed include, um, African-American museums that celebrate black history. I think he's done more black museums in this country than, than any other architect. So um, he's done the, the Museum of the African Diaspora in San mm. Francisco, the Reginald F. Lewis uh, Museum of Black Culture and History in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He's done the Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta, um, you know, in Charlotte and Greensboro. He's got uh, black history museums and of course the, the crowning achievement of his his career in doing museums is the smithsonian national museum yeah. of african-american history and culture which is crazy wow. yeah have you been yeah yeah to dc mm -hmm. yeah i've been a couple times it's a i can't even i don't have enough words to even describe what mm -hmm. it yeah for those uh listening to the podcast i highly recommend you check out um the Smithsonian in DC, it, it is a truly awe-inspiring experience to, you know, start at the bottom and work your way up. It's like seven, eight levels and uh, takes you through the journey of the Black experience in a way that is truly, you know, unique and in-depth. And um, intentional. Yeah. So that was my dad. He was uh, a wonderful man and I've been thinking about him a lot today. Uh, with the the news of my city council appointment, yeah, came this morning, and I just feel his presence uh, so strongly. Um, but uh, yeah, so the album is a celebration of of everything he taught me about how to be a joyful, um, purposeful, intentional, loving, goofy, <laughs> creative, black southern dad mm -hmm. you know and um you know he was such a happy parent 
Mm-hmm. Um, he loved to take us uh, to the Eno and to play basketball, and he played video games with us. And he was just a great, um, a great, loving, nurturing man. And uh, all of that is on display in the album and the little voice memos with my kids and having kids involved in songs. Some of them are fun. Some are a little more serious. It's just a nice uh, smorgasbord of <laughs> what um, of what fatherhood has been like for me. And uh, I think that's important, you know, especially where, you know, in the media, we don't have as many representations of black men in a positive light at all we have very few of black fathers and uh you know this year when um kobe bryant and his daughter Gigi passed away i was just really humbled by all of the tender images of the two of them hooping together or, you know, Kobe with his arm around Gigi at a game, like giving her game, you know, it was like Kobe Bryant detail, you know, they talk about on ESPN. It was like detail with Kobe Bryant, (laughs) just a one-on-one session with him and Gigi, you know, playing one-on-one, supporting her at her games. You know, we see that, we see black dads doing that, but it's usually with their sons. Yeah. It's usually like LeBron sideline with his boy, stomping around doing his thing. In the layup lines, like yeah. Layup lines, dunking. And you know, I think that I think that, you know, Snoop with his son playing football Mm -hmm. or any dad at a baseball game, you know, chewing gum, yelling at the umpire. You see that, but you don't see black men in nurturing, vulnerable creative, athletic, pretty much any space with their daughters Mm -hmm. in the media. And, uh, you know, I had written, uh, there's a song on my album called Daddy Daughter Day. I I wrote that song probably eight or nine months before uh, Kobe and Gigi passed. But um, it was a reminder to me that this is an important, needed story. Mm -hmm. Um, this very special, very sacred relationship between father and daughter. And, uh, you know, I put the album out this summer and it's really resonated with folks. Um, Yeah. So even with that, like, how is, and I always ask these people, because I, I don't have any children, but do you think that, your thoughts about parenting and what it would be like changed once you had a child? Um, well, you know, I, I was lucky to, uh, to, to come up in a family where, um, you know, both my parents were present, active, creative, engaged, loving, you know, so that's what I knew. And, that's and what real quick, can you speak to what that looks like? Cause I think I've, I've, I hear in a lot of interviews when people that, but what is that look, what's the visual for that? In your family, when you see these adjectives, creative, loving, what did that look like for you? Well, let's go down the list. Uh, Creative, it means that, you know, my mom had us, uh, you know, she was leading us in family plays where different family members took on different roles. And I'm a special effects guy, so I'm there doing lightning on the light switch, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, Uh making the lights flicker. Uh, you know, 
imaginary friends, nature walks, just romping around, getting our feet muddy in the dirt. And my dad would take us out into the woods and just ask us to stop and listen. What do you hear? He would ask us. You, know, you sit there in silence for a minute. It's like birds. My sister's like, oh, stream. My brother's like, mosquitoes. Yeah. You know, like just observe. He taught us to observe our environments and, and just gave us kind of creative uh, opportunities to um, feel connected to the world around us. Um, and, you know, I would call that creative parenting. Yeah. Probably the intersection of creativity and love. Um, and then the other principles that I talked about, lift as you climb, accountability, you know, there was no worse feeling for me than disappointing my dad. Mm -hmm. um, if I said I was going to do something and, and didn't, he would he would give me that look with, <laughs> with the eyebrows, get furrowed. And I would just feel so much disappointment in myself yeah. for letting him down. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that taught me to, to cherish, uh, being truthful and, uh, and to really, um, desire to, to live into that instead of just kind of performing it while I'm sneaking candy or doing yeah. something wrong. Like, you know, I think kids come into this world with all types of proclivities and it's a parent's job to help sculpt and mold them into their best selves and uh, they don't do it alone you know um if they're lucky mm -hmm. they have you know maybe people at your church or your mosque or your synagogue or your shrine maybe you have teachers that are nurturing and loving extended family neighbors you know dance instructors coaches Mm -hmm. You know, and together, these folks, this village of folks um, helps, uh, you know, boys to men. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How's yeah. make some men out of these boys, you mm -hmm. know? How's make some, some women out of these girls? And for folks who are gender nonconforming, some, some dope adults out of yeah. these little kids, you mm -hmm. know? So I think that that's the job of any good community member and or not community member but community mm -hmm. beloved community mm -hmm. uh is to reinforce the values that uh that that help us raise these kids into some cool adults mm. and um i was lucky to grow up in durham where there was no shortage of people who were ready to help lift me yeah as they were scaling um so you know i'm trying to do that for others. And when and do you think what do you think is the reason why growing up you had to name it? Because that you see it where some some children had the benefit of people they have a community of people that want to help them, but as you see in people probably some people in your programs that gravitate towards black space, and we'll get into that. Um, they may not necessarily have people that intentionally want to see them do well. Um, oh, the better question, I guess, because it, it, it'll lead to probably where I was going with that is, um, why, and I, and I don't ask this enough. I don't think the question is asked enough at all. Why do you care so much about helping people? I always, even before we ever met, 
you always really with the kids. Like you really build with them and grow with them. Like you're in when y'all when y'all have your rap thing. I be like, you got it. I I knew you had a full family. You're there at night vibing, rapping, or when they have events, you're really there. You're not just somebody a benefactor. Mm-hmm. You throwing money. Like you're really there. And I'm like, man, like this dude really cares about somebody outside of himself and lives by. But why? Um, <laughs> that's a. That's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know. My, my question <laughs> would be, why aren't more people like that? Mm-hmm. To me, it's, it is an extension of my being. Mm-hmm. That's just who I am. Um, it's kind of like asking, I don't know, like uh, asking uh, someone who loves basketball why they yeah. do, or someone who loves, you know, as a church family, why you go to church every Sunday? Why you... Why you put money in the collection? Yeah, like, uh-huh. You know, it's because I love it here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love hip hop. And the cypher is a dope place to be on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Like, what are the options? <laughs> I, I, I've been a young man. I, I used to go to the club when mm-hmm. I was in college, uh-huh. you know, blaring Lil John and the Eastside boys in my ear uh-huh. from the window to the wall. Yeah. Like that used to be a vibe on a Friday night. Yeah. Have a couple of drinks. What else did I do? Going out to the movies. Yeah. What else do people do on Friday nights? I don't know. So, so think about that. You know, you go to the club, go to the movies, you know, the cypher hits a lot of things that those other things don't hit. First yeah. of all, you get to be you get to be around a vibrant, creative energy and space. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to hear some bars. For me as a lyricist, <laughs> bars are important, and these kids can rap. Um, you know, you get some of the same entertainment that you might get from watching a Marvel movie or whatever, um, but you get it not interacting with celebrities that you don't know, but actually conjuring that magic and that improvised energy and entertainment from the people around you and from yourself Mm -hmm. you know um i'm not really a drinker so though if the cypher were grown and included drinks (laughs) we did an adult version i wouldn't be mad at it but Uh i'm not like missing that aspect of it Mm -hmm. um you know it's dope it's fun Mm -hmm. It's up there with playing spades <laughs> with the homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, going fishing with my dad or going go-kart, playing Mario Kart or a go-kart with my son. Mm-hmm. It's just a good time. And uh, uh, so, yeah. So I'm not a benefactor who's there to <laughs> put some money down. I'm there because I can't wait to hear what they're going to do next. Yeah, yeah. And that's an exciting place for me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's crazy about that is, is that, um, you know, it's about creating space. Uh, Durham has a cipher now. If I was not involved in black space, I would be at that cipher every week. Mm-hmm. But because Durham didn't have a cipher prior to black space creating one, shouts to Jay Rowdy, who, who founded this cipher for black space. Um, we're creating the thing that we want the Mm -hmm. culture to have and that's an important that goes straight back to harriet yeah yeah harriet was like yeah this whack 
we're gonna do something else. Mm-hmm. Underground Railroad, let's yeah. get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she was not content to just do what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. She was not content to hold the, to occupy the, and then here's the thing too. There were liberation spaces in the context of uh, enslavement. Mm-hmm. They would steal away into the, you know, to the woods and do their praise and worship and commune with their ancestors and, you know, cook their food and, mm-hmm. you know, celebrate and love up on each other. They had that, um, you know, but, but, but creating those spaces is, is necessary. Yeah. And if you see a space that should be and isn't created, that's what Cicely Mitchell did in Durham when mm-hmm. she created Art of Cool. Yeah. She said, you know what? Bimbe's cool. The Durham Blues Festival is cool. But I don't see anything for like jazz, Gen Xers. Let's get Robert Glasper to come through. Let's get Bilal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call up Questlove and get, you know, yeah. she made that happen. Mm-hmm. And obviously it resonated. Same for Black August in the Park. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, we'll be dope. Dot, dot, dot. And whatever would be dope, they made it happen. Yeah. And I think last year, 10,000 people showed up. Yeah, it was ridiculous. You know? And so you kind of asked, that's why the question was kind of confusing to me. It's like, what makes you want to do Black August in the Park or Art of Cool Festival or Black Space Cypher? Um, I just wanted to create something that I would want to do. Um, and there's a way to do that in a way that, that lifts the whole community up. Mm-hmm. Cause when you create art of cool, you know, somewhat selfishly for yourself, cause you want the scene to be, to feel more robust and representative of the music that you like mm-hmm. than all the other people out there who are like, yo, I like Thundercat. Yeah. Yo, I like the internet. Like you, you're creating something that like-minded people can can join you in Mm -hmm. so even though you and and grow the most beautiful things Mm. and for those you know minority trailblazer this is a you know international Mm -hmm. podcast over millions Mm -hmm. you know downloads and whatnot so some of the listeners might not understand what i'm referencing but google art of cool festival and look at their lineups you know, especially yeah. from the from the very first one to the present, mm-hmm. they brought Nas, yeah, Erica Badu, yeah, Jadonna before, yo, Terrence Martin, like the Jazz Cats. If you're a jazz fan and you look at the lineups of who Sicily, you know, who founded it, and now uh, Brother Suleiman and his wife mm-hmm. are have taken it over. Mm-hmm. It's just mind boggling what they were able to create in a small town like Durham. This ain't Atlanta. They made it like this ain't Austin, this ain't Chicago, New York. This is Durham. Like they did that. Uh huh. Art of Cool Festival. Look it up. Look up Black August in the Park. Yeah. It started off just with a DJ in a park, <laughs> literally. And literally. And last year, ten thousand people yeah. coming from all over the country just to turn up in a park with black folk. Nothing, nothing deep. Nothing deep. <laughs> or is it? Because yeah. they got quotes from Asada Shakur on the wall. Oh, every year it's scaled up. They yeah. got, bruh. So, um, that's Durham. Uh-huh. Black Space is Durham. Like, it's beautiful what type of 
uh, magic folks can conjure and plant and manifest here. And um, I'm one of those planters. I'm an urban gardener. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm planting all kinds of seeds. And um, this is a really special, special place. And, and we come from special roots. Like, it's not even like everything, those three institutions I mentioned, Art of Cool, Black Space, and Black August in the Park, you know, three created by three different mm -hmm. Black individuals, you know, in Durham. That's all this century, mm -hmm. you know, from 2000 onwards. But if you look back before the year 2000, there's just so many innovative, creative, unprecedented black. Shoot, we're in a mutual building. Stuff. <laughs> Bruh, first black owned insurance company in the world. <laughs> yeah. We're on the ground floor of it right now. <laughs> so when you talk about fertile ground. Yeah. For the black imagination to thrive. Um, the, I, I can't think of a place that that uh, that punches over its weight like Durham does. Mm -hmm. Cause you, you would expect that from a Chicago, yeah. you know, or from a New Orleans, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, but yeah, Durham is just a, a beautiful place. And I'm so proud to be from here. Mm. So proud. And let's talk, let's talk through the creation of the album. Like, so it's been, as we talked a little bit beforehand, I mean, really started 2008. So this is a this is a project. I mean, technically 2008, but this has been a project for the last decade plus. Been manifesting in different journeys and peaks. Like, what was what were some of the core takeaways you you've gotten throughout this experience creating um, as an artist yourself, but also creating with your your daughter on this and her not just having like a no. I'm not going to mention names, but like people that have their sons or dolls on the album, they get a little. Ooh, Mm -hmm. and then they get put executive production, but she's really in it. Like, as you said, there's articles where they're like, Yola, like, who, who was the other guy on the album? Who was the dude? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, how was that experience, man? Like, really seeing it getting actualized? It was dope. Um, you know, a lot of the album, the concept of the album actually yeah. is built around voice memos. Okay. So, literally, like, it'll be a birthday party or Halloween or a recital or just chilling at the house on a Monday evening. Mm -hmm. And I will pull out my phone as many millennial parents do. Mm -hmm. And you either snap a little video of the kids mm -hmm. or I'll take out my voice memo and be like, man, these kids are tripping and, mm -hmm. and record whatever <laughs> they tripping on, uh -huh. you know, and those things over time, they pile up mm -hmm. because these phones have become these digital archives for yeah. our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, we capture our whole lives, especially for parents. As soon as you become a parent, you know, your phone, you know, pull got, out that he phone. He got two, he got a three and a five. You got kids? Yeah. Man, like this thing, <laughs> first <laughs> steps, like, bro, my, my kid ain't raises today, bro. Like, you get excited about the dumbest shit. So, so from 2008 to last year, I have, accumulated gigabytes uh -huh. of photos, audio clips, etc. cetera. Uh -huh. And then I mentioned my dad passed last year, a couple months before he passed, I'm one of his primary caregivers. So I'm over at his house, you know, taking care of him, watching over him and also scrolling through my phone. Remember this? Oh, remember we went to this? Oh, mm -hmm. it was so fun. The opening of the museum, we did this and I'm discovering like, yo, 
there are so many precious moments in here that I have not looked at in years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sitting there on your phone. You don't really go back all the time. Yeah, you really don't. Check what's on there. You do it. And then maybe you'll post it. Maybe you don't. And then you move on with your life. So this was an opportunity for me. I had, you know, be with my dad five, six hours some days. And, you know, we get bored of watching whatever, The Matrix again, yeah. <laughs> you know, Star Trek. So I start scrolling through my phone and and I'm sitting here listening like, ooh, that make a dope beat. Like uh-huh. I could sample that right there. I'm a, I'm a creative. So yeah. I'm like, um, you know, there's this one song on the album called Gather Your Clothes. Uh, it came from a voice memo where I was literally, I walked into my kid's room and I was like, gather your clothes and put them with Depo to go. <laughs> I was like, yo, that sounds that sounds kind of hard. Uh-huh. Like, put them with Depo to go. It sounds like, do, 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 do. Uh-huh. gather your clothes, put them with Depo to go. Uh, uh, gather your clothes, uh, put them with Depo to go. Hey. And so, like, I'm sitting here on my phone in 2014, yeah. <laughs> beatboxing this gather your, your clothes thing into my phone. Years later, I show it to my dad. He gets a good laugh out of it. And uh-huh. then I'm like, mm, but that make a hot beat though. So then I got up, you know, in the studio and we made a beat out of it. Uh-huh. And the beat goes so hard. <laughs> the beat goes so hard. Uh-huh. And every parent who's heard it is like, yes. <laughs> get me a get you. So the song starts, girl, if you don't, you better gather your clothes and uh-huh. put them with double to go. <laughs> I'll tell you where they don't belong. Yeah. They don't belong in the flow. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the in the staccato, the, the rhythm of it is just like a trap song. But instead of rapping about, you know, murdering bl- other black men or 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 how many racks you got or how many people you had sex with, it's like the topic is about something that every parent, even those trap rapping parents, maybe they got a maid, I don't know. Yeah. But that can relate to yeah and that's like children's music is a genre that i can't relate to mm-hmm. as a genre you when you hear a kid's song i think like either disney princess yeah let it go let it go yeah it's like a corny pop song uh, yeah or it's like baby shark yeah <laughs> make me want to go cr- yeah, yeah 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 you know what i mean uh-huh. murder myself or someone yeah after listening to it over and over again or it'll be like Barney. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. You love me. It's just so corny. Uh-huh. Never with real bars. Yeah. And so that's the album. I was like, man. And listen, I've got friends that don't have kids who've texted me video of them bopping out uh-huh. to gather your clothes because it goes. Oh hard. yeah, I'm about to right when we leave, man. Like I'm about to have the thing in the in the in the. I'll get you a copy too. Yeah. But that's the thing, man. Like. It's, it's, it's similar to the trend we've been talking about. Yeah. I know that there's rappers out there capable of doing a good job in the kids genre. Yeah. You know, and then there's glimpses. Occasionally you'll have like a Pharrell yeah. on a Despicable Me soundtrack and then you get happy and it's like, woo. Yeah. Like that's really like, I'm done. Right. And it feels good. It's positive. And like. And it's better than any other kid's yeah, song ever. Like, ever happy like that, listen, you can't listen to that song and not be like, "Yo, come on, man, I, I, man, I gotta get that in my Spotify right, right now." While you talk, I forgot. It I just s- feels so good, and and uh, you know, oftentimes those musical aesthetics are applied to pop music, 
you know, mm-hmm. the topic is either love or something that's not kid friendly or appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, I just saw a lane for myself. I said, okay, I got kids and I don't enjoy or relate to a lot of the children's music that I hear mm-hmm. as a consumer, as a parent. They may get some good messages out of it, but I'm sitting there like, yo, this is trash. Mm-hmm. Like the beat is trash. The lyrics are so, you know, are so, so pandering to their intelligence. Yeah. But kids are smart. Kids are not, you don't need to tell the kid, go to pick up your clothes. <laughs> you could tell them like a grown person, <laughs> get them dirty draws out from under that hamper. You know what I mean? And they'll do it. Like, you go to get your <laughs> like that's just it's insulting to their intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So I think like you know kids have taste too, mm-hmm. and I want my kids to to grow up with music that's complicated, that's beautiful, that is uh, reflective of their culture, you know. And so that's what DAD is or strives to be. Mm, question: Will you will you make a with your with your wife? Will there be a son album? Will there be a daughter album? Like, so I have, will you go through the <laughs> uncle I, album? I have thought about my son because uh-huh. much of this album specifically focuses on the relationship between father and daughter. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I think about my daughter, she's a, she's just like me. She's a creative. She's a singer. She loves to perform. She's very charismatic. Um, my son is like my wife, mm-hmm. who is an introvert mm-hmm. and loves being at home, mm-hmm. preferably with a headset playing Fortnite yeah, yeah. with his buddies. But you know, he, he took after my dad he did the doodles on my album. Mm-hmm. He's into drawing and sketching and mm-hmm. he hates performance, you know? So, uh, and the same thing, my dad, you know, as public as he was, he was, he was a very private man. Mm-hmm. Whereas my mom, yeah, jazz vocalist, performer and like a diva yeah if you could real briefly bit talk talk about your mom man like i because I, I i it's crazy one day i was just doing research i don't know why i was doing research on you and i was uh it was years ago that's called stalking nah i just bro you were stalking nah no nah, just tell nah, your fans nah, that that's what nah, you were doing hey, nah. listen this nah. is this, this brother said i was doing research nah. i don't really remember yeah. why but no i think i do no 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 because it was a voting thing and it was like because you came out of nowhere with no political background mm. and um and i was like from what people thought no political background mm-hmm. said like that and i was like bro who who is who is piss freeline like what is this i mean i ain't gonna lie off the gp look from from I, I didn't know about black space. I see light skinned brother, whatever. It's colorism, but that right, means real. Right, I was like, right. I mean, is he a real dude? Who's like, this Shamal Moore? Yeah, I was like, is he a real dude? Like, what's up? And then I look, um, and I was like, okay, is that? But then I then I, some, I saw something online. I was like, yo, they got saying last name. Another lady was just just as dynamic in another realm, award winning and stuff like that. I was like, bro, that's his mom. I said, bro, like, how do you get two pairs of that attitude that were your dad is behind the scenes, but in every building. I mean, ANC, I see him. I, this, I see him. And then your mom is in a stratosphere on her own. Like, like, yeah, talk to, talk to your relationship with about your, your mom and who your mother is. That's, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I guess it skips the generation yeah. and the gender kind of moving around, but yeah. you know, my mom is the artist in our family. She comes from a, a long line of creatives. Um, you know, I became the artist in our nuclear family with my mom and dad, mm-hmm. whereas my sister and brother really took after my father mm-hmm. in, in the visual arts. Yeah. You know, my brother actually played bass, but 
very introverted mm-hmm. and was also great at sketching. And, you know, my sister is a painter and, and uh, a multimedia visual artist. And then with our kids, you know, similarly split between my siblings. But yeah, Stella, me, my mom, we're all performers. Mm-hmm. We all have a background in theater and singing and writing and creating and improvising. Um, that's just who we are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my mom was a great role model. I got to see her perform. I got to see her behind the scenes rehearsing. I got to see the business aspect of music, touring, um, you know, uh, dealing with management and going to award shows. I remember going to the Grammys in like 98, mm-hmm. you know, with my mom when she was nominated for the fifth or sixth time. You know, and, and a lot of it, what you see on TV, is just very glitzy. But, you know, behind the scenes, it's just regular people, <laughs> just regular people. I was like, Mom, there's Usher. She's like, oh, that looks like a nice young man. <laughs> you know, she goes up and chats with them. They're colleagues. They're musicians. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, my God, you're chatting with Usher. <laughs> you know, so it was it was a little, you know, after seeing how nonchalant she was, it was demystifying mm-hmm. to me. What is a celebrity? A celebrity is just a teenager who is is good at singing and was there with his mom. Yeah. You know, uh, just like I was there with my mom. Yeah. So like, uh, it's just interesting, um, to, to see all that stuff from behind the scenes and, um, on the creative side, um, you know, she's taught me so much watching her perform. My mom can, whew, she can capture a room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, it's so funny, when I was running for mayor, I remember thinking, like, these people don't got no public speaking skills. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they've got no charisma. They can't rock the mic. They've got their little thing of policies. Mm -hmm. But they've never, they've never captured the spirit of a room before, Mm -hmm. which is something that I had to do all the time as a musician Mm -hmm. and something that I saw my mom do effortlessly in her practice Mm -hmm. um and the best most moving people can do both yeah you know they've got the policy chops and 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 they understand the how things work and they can communicate that in a way that that is rare Mm -hmm. um you can't go back and look at king and tell me he's not spitting yeah it's bars it's bars the way he sets up he got punchlines and everything his cadence his cadence his pauses the imagery that's Listen, not by happenstance that's not happenstance and it comes like to me the the uh that preacher tradition and the mc tradition are are very aligned they're in the same and the pimps and then the whole it's all the drug dealers right it's all salesmen rather yeah well you know sometimes it's, it, it can be at its most basic um you know the gift of gab is can be used for sales, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're trying to sell somebody on an idea like huh, end segregation, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you could call King a salesman in that regard. Um, but really, I think it's about connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to have a certain level of empathy and a certain skill over oration mm-hmm. as a as a practice, as a gift. It's something you could definitely hone and build and develop every over time. If you, you know, go to Toastmasters and study the, <laughs> you know, always make eye contact and make sure. But for some people, it just comes naturally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, 
you, it, it's it's a dangerous skill for the reasons that you've stated. Because yeah, you're you're you, because you can evoke, you can play, you can do right, especially in dad album. Like as as a father, as a as a. What do you want your legacy to be? Like what is what, yeah? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want my legacy to be um, you know, a a, a child of Durham who um, who bloomed where he was planted, mm -hmm. who lifted as he climbed, who um, fought for black liberation. There's a nice little full circle mm -hmm. uh, on some of the things we've been talking about today. Mm. Um, I think it's important that I'm a product of this community that I'm, you know, fighting to give back to. Um, because when you have roots in a place, deep roots in a place, and that place is responsible for you stepping into your best self, mm -hmm. then the question for me at least is, is how can you take some of that privilege and um, enable the ascent of the others around you? And I think that's, um, that's something that was really important to my dad in the field of architecture. It was important to other mentors I've had, like Baba Chuck Davis, who was a world famous dance instructor. And I couldn't tell you how many careers his investment and love and care has helped launch mm -hmm. and flourish. Um, that's just a, you know, it's a sacred privilege to, to be nurtured and then to pay that forward. Mm. And then when you think just, um, I was just thinking while you were talking and what do you think, if you had an opportunity to that 18 year old Pierce just walked in, sat right here and he, he just, he had a chance to talk with him. What would you tell him? 18 year old Pierce. Um, hmm. I would say uh, hmm. that's a good question. What would I tell my 18 year old self? Um, she has right in half, right? You 36, right? Mm hmm. I would say uh, you be good. <laughs> You'll be good. Just uh, stay the course and um, don't let your expectations of what you think should happen prevent you from moving forward. I didn't do that, luckily, but I would, I guess I would remind myself of that mm -hmm. because, you know, when you, go for something really hard and fail that can be discouraging mm -hmm. but there's actually nothing to be discouraged about because the very act of your um trying is a success regardless of the outcome mm.
No. And then um, the last two before we go to our rapid fire round. Um, why, why, why jump into politics? You're already having a local impact, but black space, you're already teaching, you're traveling, you're, you're making your impact and presence felt already in the culture. Um, why did you choose to, to go into politics? Well, in 2017, we had a very unique circumstance. Um, our beloved OG mayor, mm-hmm. Bill Bell, Mayor Bell, who had been mayor since I was in high school, was retiring. Yeah. After three and a half decades in public service. Which is kind of wild in a sense. It's, it's incredibly unprecedented yeah. here, the career that he's had. And so he was retiring. And uh, that was also the year uh, like Barack Obama was retiring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you know, from November of 2016, when Trump was elected mm-hmm. to, you know, this the January of 2017, which is around the time when Mayor Bell announced his retirement, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of feeling of uncertainty. It mm-hmm. was like, yo, we're stuck with Trump. Mm-hmm. Like, where is our, where are our young black leaders mm-hmm. to take the baton from Obama and to keep sprinting? Mm-hmm. And I didn't see us anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, whatever, federal politics. Let's look locally. What do we have locally? Who's going to fill Mayor Bell's shoes? Forget Washington. That's. Yeah. That's just, I'm, I'm just going to need to pray for the best let's look locally Mm -hmm. and what i saw locally was mayor bell Mm -hmm. who is retiring Mm -hmm. um mayor pro tem um coracle mcfadden eddie davis great wonderful folks of my grandparents generation Mm -hmm. they were around king's age yeah 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 Literally, still in power, still doing the damn thing mm-hmm. in their 80s, killing it. Yeah. But what's next? What happened? Holding it down or holding it up? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would argue that yeah. they're holding it down uh-huh. because Bill Bell is no slouch. He's as sharp as he was in 1972. Uh-huh. Mickey Mashaw. Turned 92 this year Mm -hmm. until he retired two years ago. Sharp as a tack. Mm -hmm. John Lewis until he died. Killing it Mm -hmm. still with the same energy and fervor and vigor as when he was my age. Mm -hmm. So I don't. Coracle McFadden. Bruh, she got more energy than some teenagers I see out in these streets. Mm -hmm. You know, we come from resilience and excellence. Mm -hmm. So I cherish the legacy that they've left and but also understand that it's our obligation to take the baton and to continue um so i don't think they were holding it up they did a great job but now we got to do a great job Mm -hmm. so that we don't disappoint them and the ones who are coming after us Mm -hmm. man when i was running for mayor i did the math the median age in our city council was like 65. <laughs> mm-hmm. Median age. Median. I was 33 at the time. Uh-huh. 
the median age of the city of Durham was about 33 at wow. the time. Wow. <laughs> but there was nobody near my age bracket, you know, within reach of no millennials at all. Mm-hmm. County commissioners, you know, city government, like state, house, mm-hmm. senate, nowhere. Mm-hmm. Completely absent from the political process. And I said, first, my first thing was like, well, this is a damn shame. Yeah. Like, where are we at? Mm-hmm. I knew where we were. Like me, we're traveling the world. I'm a professor. I'm doing, I got an Emmy with a YouTube series. Like, I'm doing it. I'm doing the damn thing like we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But that excellence and that talent in tech or that excellence and that talent in the nonprofit sector or in, you know, it's not in politics. Mm-hmm. We were everywhere but politics. Yeah. <laughs> we're still- making we're making video games and publishing stuff and starting production companies and doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're not sitting at board meetings trying to figure out yeah. what's up with the zoning in East Durham. Yeah. For some we're not in there. those spaces. And we need to be. Mm-hmm. Because we got the fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. We got the momentum. We got the connection with the youth. You know what I mean? We got the next 70 years ahead of us. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to some of these folks, they're 80s, 90s. They're making decisions now that they won't see the implications of. Mm. And I'm not saying we don't need el- we, it's wonderful to have that elder perspective because they can they can put the decisions we're making in their proper context. But we need at least one seat at that table to be somebody who's going to be there to experience. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, a little bit more skin in the game. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then that's where you have power. Uh-huh. It's not in young people coming in and taking over. It's actually an intergenerational leadership. Mm-hmm. Because now you can tell me how in 1983 there was a chemical spill in East Durham because they were down zoning black neighborhoods so they could put industrial plants in there. And this is how it impacted the Durham community. So when these people are trying to come in and do this thing in North Durham, we're not going to have it because we've seen this movie before. You're like, oh, wow, I was born in 1983. I don't remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I need you, OG. And I'm going to show you how to use a Twitter account so you can, you know, communicate better. And and there's this new great book, Emergent Strategy, that's probably not on your radar. It's written mm-hmm. by a radical black feminist named, uh, you know, Adrian Marie Brown. Like, let me put you on. You put me on. Let me put you on. Mm-hmm. That's intergenerational leadership, which is what we need. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that. So and I saw just like the cipher. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, that's kind of whack. Let's do it. Hmm. Let's fill that void instead of just being upset that that a chasm exists. Mm. Let's be the change, you know, for lack of a better cliche. Mm. Um, so, nah, I did it, but I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and the last question, man, I, I I would have to ask, especially as being a dad, in order to be a, not in order to be a dad, that's not the right thing. Um, but yeah, how, how is the importance of, uh, your, your wife played in all this? Oh, bruh. Thank you for bringing up my wife. I've been married for 13 years. Uh-huh. Woo. You, you got married at 23. Yeah. Yeah. Two, three, two. Yeah. 23. I had either just turned 24 or was about to turn 24. Yeah. Between 23 and 24. So, um, 
I, I, I did. I mentioned you asked what was my lift as I climb story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my talk with the brothers and mm-hmm. Nolan Smith and Derek last Friday. Um, and my final comment was, find you a partner that's going to hold you accountable, that's going to love you unconditionally, that's going to have your back, that's going to keep it a buck with you, that's going to be your shoulder to cry on and, and your, 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 um, you know, to kiss you when you fall and hold you up and prop you up when you're tired. There is no decision in my life that has contributed to my success more than my wife, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, she's brilliant, patient, uh, creative, determined, passionate, nurturing, thoughtful, compassionate. And to have that to come home to and to bounce ideas off of and to help strategize with, absolutely paramount to everything that I've achieved and will achieve. And just going at it alone, boy, it's tough. Tough, you tell it. <laughs> it's tough. You know, so when you find a real one, mm, you better lock it down. You know, because somebody else is going to see his or her worth or their worth and uh, and and block that up <laughs> <Yeah>. right quick. <laughs> Just say, ooh wee, I see all that abundance you got coming for me. <laughs> and it's a long game. Like, we didn't know in 2008, you know, where we'd be now. It's, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. And through marriage, you challenge one another and, you know, you're bringing two worlds together. I was talking with my wife about this earlier today after I got the city council appointment. I said, I feel our grandparents present. My parents' parents Mm -hmm. and her parents' parents. Mm -hmm. Katie's father was the president of A&T in the 60s. Wow. He was a preacher, the pastor at Abyssinian Baptist Church in New York. And the building that my dad designed on that campus, the education building, it's called yeah. the Proctor Education Building. Yep. Proctor is my wife's maiden name uh-huh. because that was her father, the president of A&T. Wow. And we found a photo, a really beautiful photo of our grandparents together because my grandmother was my maternal grandmother, my mom's mom, was a community organizer and activist in Cambridge and Katie's grandfather was a famous preacher you know so he came to their church to preach and they took a picture together went in the paper you know this had no idea this was generations two generations removed so like I know that Dr. Proctor is looking out for me Mm -hmm. and is helping order my steps along with my dad, along with my grandmother, along with my wife's grandmother. Like they got a I got the Avengers yeah. of ancestors. Those are just my biological grandparents. I didn't go into the, the Baba Chucks, you know, and yeah. the, I got ancestors on ancestors. I am so protected. Uh-huh. And 
because I'm protected, I have the bandwidth to be protector, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the people and communities that I care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, we, and when I'm an ancestor one day, it's for all of y'all dermites out there. I don't know who's going to be watching this one day. Maybe yeah. my kids. <laughs> uh, when I'm gone, I got your back. You know, if you um, need a guardian angel, <laughs> I'm gonna be looking out for the for the little boys and girls of Durham mm-hmm. and the grown boys and girls and folks of Durham as well. Um, looking out because I think that's what that's what your job becomes as an ancestor among who knows whatever else is going on in the other realm. But I feel my dad's presence all the time. And um, yeah, I'm well represented and well protected in, in the other realm. And I'm grateful for that. And if you had 60, I would say, if you had 30 seconds, like imagine if there was a megaphone, right? And you speak into the megaphone and it goes to everybody in the world, including people that can't understand what you're talking about, but they got whatever is transferred. What would you tell the world at this moment, at this time? So you're describing that scene from X-Men Apocalypse (laughs) when uh, Apocalypse amplifies Professor X's mental abilities without Cerebro. Yeah. And he communicates with the whole world. Even though they speak different languages, they still understand it. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making sure we're on the same page about that. Yeah. So if I was Professor X and I had had my powers amplified by Apocalypse... Um, and I had something to say in 30 seconds. Hmm. I would say, um, hmm. I want to quote like a lyric. That's what I'm thinking. And like the first thought was, um, could you be loved? (laughs) Could you be love? That's a, such a vibey man. And be love. That's it. Hmm. I would play them some Bob Marley. And they would have the dopest 30 seconds ever. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Step back into the matrix. Step back into the matrix. <laughs> you step out. Drop the the mental mic and uh, let them go on with their with their lives. I don't know why that song came to me, but um, I was like, that's got to be a song. I'm like, well, I want to make a profound statement. No, forget it. I'm yeah. just gonna give you what was given to me. That's probably the issue. Bob Marley. The culture now. Everybody wants to make profound statements, but profound statements have already been made. So why don't just let let it ride? We don't right. all have to be. You say something deep. I gotta say something deeper, deeper, right, deeper. Right, right. Like, bro, everybody gotta be deep, bro. Deep, like, deep, 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 deep. It's just we deep in here, bro. So we always close it out with uh, ask five rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. Then we uh we end it, man. So, um, if you had to add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Add one habit and take away one habit. Um, The habit I would take away is eating sugar. Um, The habit I would add is drinking water. Mm. If you, um, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is, hmm. 
My biggest fear. Do I have a fear? I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. Nah, it's, it's, it, all, it always comes up rapid fear. fire. Oh, this is a legit fear. Needles. Needles? You yeah. got tattoos. I know. That's why this was a, a really big deal for me. This uh-huh. is my dad's first logo from his first business. Uh-huh. But I actually, it's a, it's a particular kind of phobia. They class it alongside a phobia of blood and a phobia. I'm not scared of blood, mm-hmm. but the idea of being no pun intended, pierced by a needle uh-huh. is just, it makes me nauseous and it's a, it's a legit fear of mine. What's the meaning of your name? Uh, Pierce is uh, my mother's maiden name mm-hmm. and uh, it means to go through. Mm. <laughs> straight, straight like that. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Go through it. Okay. I get it. I get it. Um, if you were the president of the United States, what's the first thing you would do? Um... I was the president of the United States. It's the first thing I would do. Uh, I would end all participation in war. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pull our troops back and get them to do something like teach jump rope mm-hmm. and and engineering and science in the public school system. Mm. And then the last question before we uh, we close and I, I do my closing um, is how would you change the educational system? Uh, the first thing, most important thing I would do if this is a rapid fire response, um, the most important thing I would do is untether the relationship between school funding and uh and income like right now schools are funded from tax revenue by the houses in proximity to the school Mm -hmm. and i think that's classist and racist Mm -hmm. um and what it means is people in poor schools get less money per pupil Mm -hmm. um and i think that (laughs) the wealthy community should be paying for you know we should all be paying for all schools to be the same level mm-hmm. not for some schools to get more because they live in wealthy neighborhoods mm. say no more that that and there's so much more into that because i think and hopefully over the next couple of years i think uh i, I really want to do a deep dive in it in layman's terms even though there's people doing it but i, I think it's important on my platform in layman's terms um breaking down what that is i think the majority of society is just not they're, they're kind of unfamiliar with that mm. um and hopefully the city council and the city of Durham does a better job i think to do a straight job but a better job of of visibly breaking things down to simple terms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then hopefully you can bring that and get creatives to outsource the messaging mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah the, the, the messaging the, is trash the graphics is trash the video is trash you got all these creatives but why the information people need to know is a link under a link under a link. Like, where are the meeting notes for this this thing? Yeah, oh, the no. meeting notes are and the, the PDF is trash. I'm like, why? Yeah, did, yeah, why would no, you get looks terrible? And all these resources, you can't. All these kids that created the dope, creating dope visuals, they music videos, they banging. You can't mm-hmm. get nobody to create something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's trash. It's pretty trash. And uh, yeah, it's part of why what makes you know local government inefficient. Mm-hmm. You know. Hold up, we got one more. Oh, you got uh, more. Oh, yeah, it just it just. Where can people, uh, first of all, thank you for giving well over an hour of your time um, to the show, man. And really, and during a huge day, that's so many words. You could easily, like, yo, G, 
I'm be real, bro. I just, I just got to see the, I got a lot going on, man. Let's push it. Hey, and, and you know, we was late. That's what it is. And you just, I, I love it, man. We roll with the punches. So where can people for more, find more about your organizations? Sure. Um, how they can support, how they can listen, support the album, support thing. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, wow, my website's going to need to be revised now because <laughs> it's more than the album. I got to tell people about, um, this new responsibility as a city councilor, but, I think, uh, you know, you can find me anywhere just with my name. Mm -hmm. So Pierce Freelon will take you to my website. It'll at Pierce Freelon is my Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook slash Pierce Freelon is my Facebook. It's my Twitter. Uh, and whatever I'm doing, you'll be able to hear more about in those places. Mm. So Google me, use the internet mm -hmm. and uh, follow the breadcrumbs. But I think one of the one of the main hubs will be my, my primary social media is probably Instagram. I mm -hmm. use it more than the other than the others. Mm -hmm. um, but you can, I'm on TikTok. I'm everywhere. Yeah. So you can find me. Just no funny spellings, no underscores, no or dashes. Or, yeah. You know, it's just pure Sri So minority trouble is a nation, man. As always, I need to do two things. Two things only. Number one. Leave a five-star review. If it's not five-star, email it to me so I won't read it and I'll delete it. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But only outside of five-star reviews, right? I get like, yeah, yeah, And then number two, number two, number two, make sure you changing the freaking culture. Good night. Be good. Cool. Good, man. Great, 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 great content, man. No problem.